0: This is Voices Up, and I'm your host, Kat Stein. What are the issues in today's world that would compel you to attend a protest or demonstration? Would you still attend if you were the only person there? For passionate 19-year-old Alexis Payne, the answer is simple. She will use her white privilege as a mixed Native American woman to speak out for Native rights, even if that means protesting all on her own. And that's exactly what she did last weekend in Wolf Point, Montana. Voices Up reporter Isabella Mezcoa spoke with Alexis about the protest and about the many issues faced by Native Americans that she feels need national attention.
1: Hey Kat, how's it going? It's good, how are you? I'm good. You're interviewing
0: someone really cool this week.
1: Yeah, her name is Alexis Payne and she lives in a town called Wolf Point on the Fort Peck Reservation. How did you find her? A friend actually pointed me to her Facebook post where she said that she was going to be like leading a protest and that it was, she would do it solo if she had to. And this is really striking because in her community and a lot of Native communities, you do things
0: communally. So for her to do this solo protest was a really big deal. This doesn't have anything to do with the Mount Rushmore protest, does it? No. I thought it might be. With the fourth coming up, Alexis
1: just thought it was a really great time to protest, especially with conversations about racial inequality being so prevalent in America right now. So she just did it and learned about the Mount Rushmore protests later. Why are you most excited to talk to Alexis? I'm really excited to talk to Alexis because I actually do have some background on the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Pandemic, which does tie it into Native Lives Matter. And this is just a topic that I really want to get out there. We can really support Native peoples by highlighting their voices.
0: Mm-hmm. That's like the whole point of this entire project at Voices Up is just giving people a place to share what they know and share their experiences. And I'm really glad that my friend pointed me towards Alexis. Me too. I'm so excited to hear what she has to say.
1: Okie dokie, Alexis. You are in Montana. What town are you
2: in? I live in Wolf Montana. I was born in Billings, Montana, and my mom is actually from Wolf Montana. I moved away to go live on the Flathead Reservation for a part of my younger life. In high school, I came back to my hometown and it's where I've been residing.
1: And what can you tell me about your protest?
2: I'm just tired of the racial inequality and injustice towards all people of color. And I feel like because I'm half European, I come from a white family, but I also come from a Native family. And I feel like as somebody who comes from both sides, I should use my voice and use the white privilege that I do have to stand up for the Native American community and all ethnicities in general.
1: I also come from a white family. My dad's Mexican and my mom's white American. So I feel you on using my lighter skin privilege at times. You were willing to do this alone. And is that common in your area?
2: It's not very common. A lot of people won't stand unless they're standing together. But I feel very passionately about the lives of all indigenous and ethnic minorities in America. And I'm tired of the racial profiling and the racial inequality that's going on on reservations and in America in general and that's why if I had to stand alone for what I believe is right I I will. Luckily I have friends who are right beside me to support me and the cause that I'm fighting for.
1: I really like what you said about just the right to live. Was there any one moment in particular that inspired you to start this?
2: I really got sick of hearing a lot of comments on social media you lost the war. We have the rights to this land. We conquered it, et cetera, et cetera. I get sick of hearing that because, yes, my people were conquered. We were colonized and we were put on reservations where we're at disadvantages. We're still here. We're not dead. There was moments where the U.S. had tried to use genocide on Native Americans to get rid of us because we're on land they want. And until we're gone, I feel like they're not going to stop treating us like beneath them. I feel like... Our duty as native americans in this generation are to let the government know that native americans are still here we're thriving and we're not going anywhere if anything our culture and our lives are meaningful and stronger than they were then and we're ready to voice now and make change there are quite a few non-natives who live on our reservation and a lot of them do side with like the words of trump as Native Americans, it's our duty to stand up and let our voices be heard on our own reservation because we shouldn't have to be pushed out on land designated to us when most of America was already taken from us.
1: That was, that was really well put. What does Native lives mean to you? And in your post, you also mentioned MMIW, which is the missing and murdered Indigenous women epidemic. Would you say that MMIW is tied into this?
2: I know people who have been personally affected by our women going missing. With the missing and murdered Indigenous women that have gone missing on my reservation, I have never once got an Amber Alert. It's always been a Facebook post that I've seen shared by relatives saying they were taken or they haven't come home yet. These cases for the MMIW um, are not being reported or not being broadcasted enough for the public to realize that there is a young female or a young adult female that has gone missing and nobody pays attention to it. Do you worry about this for yourself? When I was younger, there have been a few instances where I have been called by strange men to like come to their van. And there's been a few times where I've been followed by trucks and had to run home. We're not safe anywhere. I fear for any indigenous woman. And that's why myself, I might be trans and everything, but in person, I'm not always done up to look like a female. And so I look like a very intimidating guy. I'm six foot two and I'm not scrawny. If I had to put up a fight, I could. Now, not many people would probably want to mess with me. And so when I'm out in public, I will keep an eye out on younger children or the younger girls out in public. If I see strange activity, I like to keep them an eye out and make sure they're okay.
1: Is this something that's talked a lot about in your community?
2: It is talked about a lot within the community. We do believe this is very serious. Wow. And we as Native Americans are the earth keepers. We want to protect our land. With the situation in North Dakota when there was that no dapple going on, We wanted to protect the water from oil. We wanted to protect it. We want our land back from Mount Rushmore because it's not being protected under the government. They're using it for profit, and we just want our sacred land back. We don't care about the money they're trying to give to us. We want our land back so we can tend to it and restore it back to its beauty that it once was.
1: And that ties in really well with my next question, which was, what types of injustices do you and or your community face is there any that you can think of right now that are
2: most prevalent the ones that i think are most prevalent right now would be the missing and murdered indigenous women as well with like racial inequality and racial profiling when my sister was still alive she was a darker complexion than my siblings and my mom and my sister would get followed around or watched in stores and stuff and it made my mom's blood boil because she has like this white privilege comfortability because she has green eyes and lighter skin and lighter hair Whereas me and my siblings have darker hair and eyes, and in some cases, darker skin. And so we experience that prejudice, whereas my mom doesn't. I don't want my brother to have to go through that racial profiling and the injustice. And that's why I'm using my voice now to build a better future for my siblings. This past school year, we had a neighboring town, in Glasgow, with Which is right off the reservation, made up of mostly white people, and they play sports against our school. And the students came to our school and they were upset that they were losing, and they were calling my school, the students there, monkeys, saying, Where are their bow and arrows, and calling them savages and everything. And even the parents were calling us names. And they let their ignorance be known to us on the reservation that basically we should stay on the reservations and we're not meant to be off of the reservations. We're like just uncivilized beings to them when it's really not the case. They think we're all drunks, we're all druggies, and that is the stigma surrounding Native Americans, which is also a stigma I want to break. I was an alcoholic. I drank constantly to cope with the death of my sister. Now I'm sober, and I want to work on making the world and the community a better place. We already have a stigma of how we're alcoholics, but we have six bars in our town, one grocery store, and three gas stations, two of which sell alcohol. And we have no extracurricular activities outside of school or the town in general for people to do. We have no recreation center. We have no event center, no wellness center for the people. We have one skate park. So there's not much to do in those parks. You can find meth needles. We don't have a safe place for them to be. And they don't have that comfort at home because a lot of these children come from rough homes where parents are already addicted to drugs. And it's really sad. My first time finding alcohol was when I was 13 and I tried it with my friends. And so we have all this access to things we shouldn't as young kids. My mom, she's a nurse. She has pre- sheltered me pretty much, but there's youth that needs help and we're not getting the help we need and our voices are not being heard. Well,
1: That is an incredibly difficult chain to break and congratulations to you now for getting sober and standing up for these things. What, in your opinion, is the best way for non-Natives to support Native Americans?
2: To me, the best way to support Native Americans and our Native American way of life is to respect us, acknowledge that this was our land and that it was taken forcefully, and acknowledge that we don't get free money, we don't get free college, we do get a free healthcare, but that healthcare is inadequate. My grandma, I do believe she was suffering from COVID. She was sick around December. She was sick for almost four weeks could not breathe, felt like she was suffocating and could barely walk. And the healthcare system that we have gave her a inhaler and said, make it work, drink lots of water and rest. We have to wait three to four hours to be seen for a basic toothache or an earache. Wow. I think the best way to support us is to acknowledge the struggles we have and to help us uplift the native life and the native culture. Don't try to um, suppress the indigenous culture that was here first. We had our special like rituals, we have our ceremonies. Those are things that should be respected along with the native life and the way we do our things.
1: Alexis, do you think that the challenges that are in the healthcare system is a result of racism or of just general underfunded, corrupted systems?
2: I think it has to do with both. I know IHS is funded by the government and the government has proven time and time again, they're not funding IHS enough. And a lot of the doctors and nurses that we get here are people who just graduated and need training hours as a doctor to become a doctor elsewhere. So a lot of them are just now training in to become full-time doctors. We deal with people who aren't fully equipped to handle a lot of the things we deal with. We need people who are more educated doctor-wise and health-wise to help us And we don't have those because they send people who are new to the healthcare system to come help us. There's definitely a language barrier between some of our doctors because a a lot of them do come from other countries. They deal with a lot of stuff from the Native American community as well. And I don't think it's right that we as a Native community take our hatred and put it on another group when they're just trying to help. But Native Americans do do that. And that's why I'm using my voice to express that I think being Native and racist is just as wrong as being white and racist
1: that's a really rough situation to navigate.
2: Along with that, we don't have a lot of support or um, funding to get uh, rehab centers and everything for our people. A lot of people can't afford to go to rehab or have the resources and necessities to get to rehab. And I feel like rehab is something we definitely need for our people. I feel like it'd be most best if the government were to construct rehab centers on reservations. Since we do have a high demographic of drug use and building rehabs would definitely help put us in a better situation to better ourselves from within and from there on we can uplift ourselves and the government can kind of take a step back and let us heal ourselves. We don't need any like interventions or people intervening. We just need the support, the funding and Um, the recognition and being acknowledged as a group of people who are suffering and not getting the adequate care we need.
1: That's a really powerful statement. Do you feel optimistic about systemic change in this nation or do you feel pessimistic about the future?
2: Now that a lot of racial inequality is being brought to light in the system and a lot of minorities are starting to stand up and use their voices and band together and be united, I feel like there can definitely be a positive change for our generation and future generations, because this is probably the first time in a long time where I've seen both minority and non-minority stand together and bring light to a lot of issues with the Native Americans. And I think it's genocide to not pay attention to MMIW because we're basically being swept under the rug. When Selena Not Afraid went missing, she's, she was a 16-year-old girl from Billings, Montana. When she went missing there were no search parties there were hardly any amber alerts and there was no police involvement until after two weeks a lot of it was the community and her family and a lot of it was from facebook which is why it got the social media recognition it did because a lot of people blew that up the place they found her body was scattered numerous times by people search groups dogs and even drones and they could not find her body they found her body four weeks and it was after the searches stopped i believe somebody murdered her had her body somewhere else and put it in a place that was already searched. And the police wanted to cover it up as a death due to exposure, hypothermia. And I think that's complete BS. She was murdered and she deserves justice. And the fact that our women and other people, not just women, it's the men too, they're being murdered and they're disappearing. And it's not fair to us. As a Native American, I am very spiritually connected. I believe in the spirits and I believe that I can feel their pain. And I just, I want the world to be better so the spirits can finally find peace and not have to worry about their future generations and their future lineage.
1: That was so well put. I'm very glad that you're feeling optimistic about the change, but you're right, there's just still so much that needs to be done. But it's really great that these conversations are being brought to the forefront, and I'm really glad that we can highlight your voice in this conversation as a Native person.
2: I think the biggest thing that I want to highlight is how We were stripped of majority of our land from uh, America and we were put on these small bits of land that the government deemed useless because there was nothing on it. But now that we're here and we're settled and we set up our communities and set our lives, or we have the government wanting to take that land back because they found an important resource they need. There's so many smart, educated indigenous people on my reservation that could probably own businesses and profit and grow our community But we have so many white-owned businesses on our reservation that they're profiting off of us Native Americans while still being racist and still oppressing us and racially profiling us. We occupied majority of America and we make up less than 10% of the population now. It's messed up. Mm -hmm. The city committee, made up of non-Native American members, decided to throw Stampede, which is our annual rodeo we have every year, They decided to go on with it even though they know COVID is on the rise and they know that we as Native Americans are not fully equipped to handle the diseases that are brought upon us. We were more susceptible to succumb to diseases and injuries and they're still having this rodeo and there are 500 to 600 contestants this year, which is double the amount there usually are which either means it's going to be double or triple the amount of out-of-towners we have and out-of-state people. The city committee still chose to go forward with it, knowing that they have so much Native population on this land because they are on a reservation. We have elders and youth who are going to be at risk when these out-of-towners come. And they could be carriers of COVID and not know it. And our cases could skyrocket and we could be the second Navajo Nation, but they still choose to ignore the voices of the tribes who are opposing it. We cancelled all powwows. So if the tribes can sacrifice the summer of Wadopina and Red Bottom and having our traditional powwows that we have had annually, but the city can't cancel something they have annually and just have it next year to make sure that COVID cases don't rise, they want to still have this. And I think it's selfish for them to have it because they're getting a profit from it. They're getting money. They're getting all this consumerism that's coming in. Whereas we the Native American community have to fear about getting sick and suffering from COVID. And it's it's just it's crazy to me. And so I think that's most important, and that's what made me want to protest. The tribes have canceled the carnival. They have canceled the parades, the street dance, and they were trying to cancel the rodeo, but the city wasn't listening. And so the tribes are trying to take the city to court to get the rodeo shut down. That's what I heard. I'm not sure if that's still going on. We obviously are upset about it, and the city's not listening to the native population who occupies this land. They're not listening to our voices. They're not hearing what we have to say. This is dangerous to us. A lot of the white people who live here just say, well, then don't go, wear a mask or stay home. It's not that hard. But they don't realize they're going to infect our native population and it's not going to be good for us. Mm -hmm. We are on our own land and we still don't have our voices heard. And that's going for all reservations around Montana. There's a situation going on in Polson, Montana, where the non-Indian members of that reservation They're on sovereign land and the tribes canceled the 4th of July parade because they don't find it very appropriate to celebrate the 4th of July with everything going on in America. And the non-native members of that were offended that the tribes wanted to cancel that. And so they decided to throw a Trump boat parade basically on the lake. And a lot of them were wearing headdresses, mocking the natives and trying to incite violence and start fights with the natives who are peacefully protesting against that boat parade.
1: Wow. That is appalling.
2: I am more than my brown skin. I'm more than my brown eyes. I am a person. I deserve to live. And my rights matter. And my voice deserves to be heard. And that goes for all people of color. Just because we're darker doesn't make us any different, doesn't make us a threat, doesn't make us unequal. White people feel like they're being persecuted now for their skin color. Meanwhile, people of color have been feeling this way for hundreds of years. But we're not killing them. We're not lynching them. We're pointing out that they treat us different because we're not white. And I'm so thankful for the white people who want to stand with us and stand with our movement. But when I say the white people, I'm referring to the people who are racist and treat us indifferent.
1: I got goosebumps, that was, that was amazing. Alexis, to go back to your protest today, how many people joined mm-hmm. you and what were the highlights and the lowlights?
2: The protest yesterday, it was me and my best friend. We started it, I met my aunt there, she was the third person to join. And while we were going over there, I met my friend Gabby who joined and she brought two of her friends. So three more people came and then towards the end of the protest, another person joined. So we had seven people all together, which I wasn't expecting because the other day we protested, there was only me and my three friends. So we didn't get much of a turnout that day, but there were a few more people the next day, which I was pretty happy about. The highlights of my day were the people who were showing us love and giving us recognition and acknowledging us and supporting the cause we're standing for, bringing us water and Gatorade to make sure we were hydrated in the heat because it was almost 100 degrees out yesterday. My lowlights of yesterday were the fact that we got so many people flipping us off and shaking their heads at us, revving their engines at us. And the the thing that shocked me the most and is what made me have no regrets for what I'm doing is the fact that when we were standing out there, I had a sign that said Black and Indigenous Lives Matter, and we have um, Black members of our community who experience so much racism. My mom had these two friends, you know, Black, and my mom has told me that her friend has feared for her life. They no longer live here on the reservation, they moved to a bigger city, but my mom has said they feared for their lives and feared that their house was going to be put on fire, and so that's why including Black Lives. But what happened yesterday and what made me have no regrets for including it was the fact that somebody yelled S them N words to me and they used it with a hard R. I was I was pretty shocked and disgusted at the fact that somebody could use and be so open with their racism because I'm so against racism. My family has racism rooted in them deeply. They are half white and a half native. And my grandparents um, growing up, they're white family. Like would basically tell them how disgusting they are and how dirty their skin is, and they need to scrub harder to get that pigment out of their skin, etc. So they have a lot of deep-rooted hatred for themselves, and so they project a lot of that deep-rooted hatred onto other races. And I fight with my family constantly about the racism that they have within themselves because I learned that racism. I unlearned it. That's the thing. You learn something, you can unlearn it. It's not hard to unlearn racism. Racism has no place in society, especially in 2020. We just got done having a black president. Why are we taking 300 steps back? I do believe it's generational hatred because we as Native Americans were intertwined with the white people after they came and settled on our land and they married a lot of our women and had children. The grandparents of those children had a lot of hatred towards them because they were brown skinned. And so they were taught that hatred and that hatred has been passed on through generations because we should be embarrassed of the native side. We need to act white. Natives are lazy. They're blank. Excuse my language, but they're blanket asses. Is how I was taught. My grandpa always told me, Indians are no good, lazy, worthless blanket asses. But as I got older, I realized how much like less of a less of a true statement that could be because it's completely wrong.
1: So Alexis, do you believe that the younger generation now that is currently creating and going out to so many protests? Do you think that? that is a generation that is really going to generate
2: change. I do believe that it's going to be the generation that generates change because we're more vocal and we will not be silenced. We do not care what people have to think and we do not we're not scared of police force. We will stand up against them and we will make sure our voices are heard. And if we're treated with injustice or any violence for standing up for what we believe in, we have our phones to show that injustice that the police are treating us with. We have our phones to show the violence that police are meeting us with. So it's exposing a lot of the ugly truth that America has been trying to hide. They don't realize that the most dangerous weapon that we have is our cell phones, social media. We can spread this footage of the constant abuse that white officers and officers in general in America have been using on indigenous people and people of color. We will be having children and we will be raising them to voice their opinions and stand up against what's wrong. That's really awesome. And thank thank you you again
1: for protesting like... You started off solo, but now you're getting more and more people,
2: and that's so exciting. I know, and it's blowing up on Facebook, too. I know when I was talking about protesting, there was only a few people that were liking my post, but now I have videos and pictures of me out there that I can show and let people know I was serious about this, and I will be serious about it again. When I get the opportunity to protest for Stampede, I will protest. When I see that I have an open availability to have nothing to do. I'm going to be out in the streets during stampede to protest and let these people know whose land they're on and that we have rights here and they should respect us as people.
1: This was such an enlightening interview and I loved so many of your points.
2: It means a lot that my voice is being heard. I wasn't expecting to be heard like that, but I'm glad that my voice is getting out there and that hopefully I can inspire change we really have to make a a fuss to get our voices heard. Otherwise, we're just dismissed. I'm
1: really glad you're kicking up a fuss and doing such a great job. Thank you so much, Alexis. Again, Mm -hmm. you have so many amazing insights, and I'm so glad that we were able to talk today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So, Isabel, now that you've had your conversation with Alexis, what? Thoughts do you have?
1: You know, Kat, you see so many statistics about missing and murdered Indigenous women. You see statistics about Native communities being disproportionately affected by COVID and stuff. It's really easy to get a general idea of how bad things can be, but it really humanized the whole situation to talk to someone who is affected by it and who knows people personally. And it was really powerful to listen to her talk about this. Yeah, agreed. What did you learn specifically from her? What was really confusing to me at first was, I guess, how a town like Wolf Point, which has its own government, which is run by non-natives, can exist on a land that is owned by the Fort Peck Indian Reservation. But Alexis was telling me about how like, the biggest rodeo in Montana takes place in this white town on this reservation. The tribal government does not want the rodeo to take place this year because it draws people from all over America and even from out of country. They want the town to cancel it, but the town refuses to cancel it. And so learning that towns populated by non-natives, governed by non-natives, can directly go against the wishes of tribal governments whose land they're on, they're still fighting for that. And
0: that was really, really shocking to me. Yeah, that's so surprising because that's basically how the entire country was founded. So it's just insane that this long after people moved here to colonize yeah. America, that it's still basically the same thing. And I found it so interesting that Alexis's protest
1: took place at the same time as the Mount Rushmore protest. They lined up really well together. They had a similar message, but they were unrelated. And this is just what we know. I'm sure there were others
0: protesting in solidarity with similar messages on that day. Yeah, I'm sure there were, especially now with the, you know, all of the protests everywhere across the country. I'm sure that that's helped give them some confidence to speak yeah. up. Something I really appreciated
1: about Alexis's thing was that her protest was pretty intersectional where she had a Native Lives Matter sign, but there were some Black Lives Matter signs also and that she was talking about how racism is apparent in all communities which That's not something that is talked about as much, but it's absolutely true. And so she was also defending Black lives, Native lives, and most minority lives in general, which I thought was a really great thing. Alexis was standing up initially for Native rights because that needs to get on the national conversation too, but also Black Lives Matter.
0: So I appreciate that she's doing that so much, and it's really refreshing to see that. Yeah, refreshing to see someone who is affected by racism standing up for not just their own cause but for, for everyone. And I think she combines the two narratives really well. hmm Well, thanks so much, Isabel. I'm so glad you got to talk to Alexis.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad we were able to give her a platform. Thanks again, Kat.
0: Since we spoke with Alexis, the Wolf Point Chamber of Commerce continued to ignore the wishes of the tribal government and has gone ahead with the Wolf Point Wild Horse Stampede Rodeo. The Fort Peck Tribal Executive Board withdrew financial support for the event and prohibited tribal departments and programs from participating in an effort to protect the health of the native people in Wolf Point. While we won't know the impact it will have on Fort Peck residents until well after the rodeo is over, we can only hope that the large amount of tourists on their land this weekend doesn't cause a spike in coronavirus cases. Our thoughts are with you, Wolf Point. This conversation was led by Isabella Mezqua with special guest Alexis Payne. It was produced and edited by Carolyn Campbell and me, Kat Stein. Music is by Patrick Thomas. To stay up to date, follow us on Facebook at VoicesUp, Instagram at Voices.up, and don't forget to subscribe to Voices Up wherever you listen to podcasts.